How's it going, everybody? Welcome to 115, episode 115 of TLDR Podcast. Uh, we we are we are back. We are missing. We are shorthanded today. We don't have Alex this week. Um, I think that was mentioned um, last week or a couple weeks ago. But we got James here. We got Tyler here. But before we get there, we're going to kind of wrap up. All right, I have a couple of interesting um wacky news that happened um over the last uh last week this one is not quite wacky just kind of mind-blowing uh i i had saw on twitter that um never in the 146 years of the mlb has a single player in a single season recorded what was it 10 wins and over 30 home runs until this season and that is shohei otani never never ever has happened um there's been a there hasn't been very many two-way players in the league um the the most prominent one we think of is Babe Ruth he didn't even come close to that in a single season he did that over the course of his obviously in two different seasons but in one season he never did that it's unbelievable what um Shohei is doing he's going he could go down and may very well go down as the greatest all-around baseball player to ever live if he can't if he continues this trend also some interesting things in the NFL after week one one division has zero wins and two of them played each other how fucking insane is that um, that would be the AFC South, uh, the Colts and the Texans tied and the Titans and Jaguars both lost. And shockingly, the Seahawks are the best team in the NFC West after week one. Sorry, James. And sorry, Tyler. <laughs> Tough week for you guys. Um, but you are trailing the lowly. Well, I shouldn't say the lowly Seahawks because uh, because oh they looked God. pretty solid in that first week. But um, um, considering all things considered, they had literally they had no. Uh, they had they had a brand new quarterback. It was a team that we thought would just kind of suck, and they 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 pulled it out. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of a uh, oh James is wincing. I'm I'm assuming he's going to talk about the penalties or or the refing or whatever or that he fucking hates Seattle. I mean, what is it, man? What is it? <laughs> the Broncos had two fumbles on the one yard line, both of which were caused by themselves. The Seahawks did nothing to prevent that from happening. It just bounced off of Melvin Gordon's head and dropped to the ground. Like this game shouldn't have even been close. Broncos should have won it rather easily. But yeah, those, they, 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 they those, were those drops, those drops at the one yard line, man. That's the first time I think ever that the team has fumbled twice in the one yard line. Yeah, I know. I, I think I think I the, the, I think the stat was they went like three or four times and within ten yards and they couldn't get a touchdown. I mean, that's and that two of them were the fumbles. Like they just couldn't convert. And, and then the night you know, before, at the end of the day, the Seahawks took advantage of that. Um, and that before the, the uh, Bucks had the same exact thing. It was a field goal game. The Sunday night game was a field goal game. It was a field goal game. Yeah, it was quite boring. Um, so very interesting uh, week one. Both of our boys here, Tyler and James, both had their teams lose. Um, one of them. Sorry. sorry. Oh, uh, no, but stop it. Why don't, why don't we? Why don't we? Stop it, guys. Um, uh, James. What are your f- thoughts after week one? I know you had a rough uh, morning to, to, your, to your first week one on Sunday, but overall, what do you think of this? What do you think of the, of the first week? It, did, was it kind of weird to you? It kind of felt weird at some of these games. Uh, I mean, for the Niners loss, it was a monsoon. Like I can't, even if the Niners won that game, I can't put much stock in them being a good team because they won that game. It was like no team really came out a winner or a loser of that one because it's like, can you really tell if you're that good if you're playing that bad of conditions? You can't really. Uh, so, I mean, that loss is, it is what it is. In terms of fantasy though, this week was weird. Like picks like two through five, like those running backs, like uh, 
Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, they all got less than 10 points. And these are people you drafted really highly. It's definitely different. And it's like you chalk one up with wide receivers because the top wide receivers went off. Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase all went off and the top running backs did not. Is that telling you where the game is going? It might. Uh, definitely a weird week one. The fact that there was already a tie in week one and the fact that a division has even one of them was weird. But football is back, ladies and gentlemen. It's a good time. Football is back. And yeah, you might you might be honest on something. I mean, I think the game has kind of changed and and who knows, in, in one or two years, we might not be drafting running backs in the first, you know, three to five picks. It might be wide receivers at this point. Not saying that's going to happen, but this trend is, is pretty clear. Interestingly, the three individuals that you brought up all lost. They were the best player on their teams that lost. So that's kind of sad for, for those teams. But um, I mean, I guess if that's all you have, in some cases, that's, that's all you have. I mean, the Raiders have a Vikings little bit more, maybe, but um, they did not. Sure the Vikings Sorry? Pretty sure the Vikings won. Uh, Vikings did win. Wait, who, who are the uh, three that you I mean, took? Was the third one? Uh, Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Sorry about that. I was thinking of, uh, I was definitely thinking of Adams and definitely thinking about the Bengals um, <laughs> as well. Uh, Tyler, I, you were there for week one. It was a fun week. Uh, um, what were your thoughts about week one of football and, and kind of your thoughts about the MLB about to, about to round up its last few weeks here? Yeah, super fun to have football back. Football Sundays are, you always look forward to that, you know, getting to hang out with friends, drinking beer all day, watching football. It's, it's always a great time. Definitely happy I was able to be there. For week one, um, yeah, definitely weird. Definitely a lot of weird games. Uh, you know, teams that we thought would do better did not. Players we thought did better did not. But I think that's I think that's pretty standard for week ones. I feel like just week ones are people get out of the gate. It kind of starts weird. There's 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 expectations, and we ju- we're just kind of getting a feel for what the season's going to be. But definitely exciting. Love having football back. Um, and yeah, baseball man, got love September. Uh, we're, we're, you know, getting down to the nitty gritty here. Uh, we got some personal records to chase. We got some teams that are trying to make the playoffs teams that are trying to hang on for a chance to make the playoffs. Um, it's a lot, it's a good time to be a sports fan for sure. And we're obviously October is probably arguably the best sports month of the year. So we're, we're get, we're suiting up for that. Uh, so I love yes, it. Sir. Yes, sir. I always love the, the, the first, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday after week one of football, because it, we, you know, they call it um, overreaction week. Yeah. I mean, everybody overreacts to one game. It's like, guys, it's one game. Niners, it's one game. Rams, you lost a game. It's fine. And then as a, as a fan who, uh, who's following the chargers, okay, easy. Like it wasn't that easy of a win. Like let's, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. So uh, on, on all sides, um, I'm pretty sure the Bills fans were, are still drinking after that win. It's like, guys, like that's one fucking win against the Rams. Like, cool your Jets. Um, uh, with that, we're gonna get right into uh, into the MLB talk with Tyler. Um, we're gonna we're not gonna leave any breaks. We're just gonna uh, go right into it. Tyler, you got some more MLB. Oh, dams. Interesting turn of events we had in the MLB. Why don't you take it away for us? Yes. Uh, before we get into the uh, main part, of course, we got to update you guys on our two home run guys, Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols, congratulations, surpassed Alex Rodriguez for fourth on the all-time list of home runs. He hit two last week, uh, number 696 and 697. So he's now within three of that 700 mark. So he's on pace. He's doing great. He's getting there, guys. We just got to get him to the finish line. He's so, so close. Uh, Aaron Judge hit one more home run last week, so he's up to 56. Um, 57. So he's seven. 
as of today. Oh, my, did he hit? Did he hit one late earlier today? Yeah. Oh shit, I missed that one. Thank you, James. Uh, up to fifty-seven. Uh, so we got uh, another one tonight against the Red Sox. Um, so fifty-seven for Judge. So he's creeping up the MLB record, the American League records, with some might consider to be the real legit MLB record for home runs in a season is sixty-one. So he's getting closer and closer to that. But let's get big to get to the big news from MLB last week, and that was the announcement of the rule changes that will be implemented for the 2023 season. There's quite a few of them, uh, but let's get into the ones that are going to happen. The, the biggest one I feel is probably going to have the most effect uh, is the pitch clock. Uh, this one's one that got a lot of brushback, but it's what's going to happen. Uh, and he was, so here are the, the, the basic rundowns. Um, you have the, the pitcher has 15 seconds in between pitches with runners off. He has 20 seconds in between pitches with runners on. Uh, there's 30 seconds uh, between batters. Um, the clock resets if the pitcher steps off. I'll get more into that little detail in just a, in just a second. Um, so we'll have a pitch clock. Um, if a pitcher exceeds um, that time, it's an automatic ball. Um, if there's also a time limit for a batter to be stepped in the box, I believe it's with eight seconds left. The batter has to be in the box ready to hit. If he does not, uh, if he's not in the box ready to hit at eight seconds, that's an automatic strike. Um, so we're going to get into that. Um, and then well, the or minor league baseball has been testing this for, 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 for the last year or so. Um, and it has decreased average game time by about 26 minutes by implementing this rule. So that's a pretty significant amount of time. Um, so pitch clock is number one. Number two is the shift ban. Um, this one's probably, in my opinion, probably one of the more controversial ones. Um, but uh, basically, there's going to be no more shifts, not these crazy things where you got, you know, three or four guys on one particular side of the infield. Uh, the rules are as follows. Upon release of the pitch, there must be a minimum of four defenders with both feet on the infield dirt. Basically, all four infielders can't be playing in the outfield. They have to have both feet in the infield dirt. Number two is upon release of the pitch, there must be at least two of the four infielders on each side of second base. AKA we can't have three infielders on one side like we've had before. There has to be at least two on both sides. And then the team must designate two infielders for each side. So it's just like classic, how it used to be, you know, third base, shortstop, second base, first base, you know, you, the, the infielders cannot switch sides at any point. So in the past, we've seen like third baseman shift over to the second base spot. That's not going to happen anymore. Third baseman has to stay on his side of the field. Um, so that's number two. Number three is the base size. They're going to increase the size of the bases going from 15 inches to 18 inches. If you guys have seen a visual of that, it's actually a pretty significant um, size difference. Um, so that's going to be another one. This has been hoping to kind of to increase uh, stolen bases. Um, also to, to decrease injury, I believe I saw a stat that in the minor leagues when they tested this, it actually decreased injuries around the bases by I think like 30% or something. Um, so that's, an, that's another positive from this rule. Uh, the last one is the, is the pickoff rule. I kind of mentioned uh, the clock resetting when a pitcher steps off. So a caveat to that is a pitcher can only step off uh, either the pickoff or step off twice per batter. Um, if he attempts to pick off a third time or steps off a third time, the attempt must result in an out or it's a balk, which means the runner can advance a base. Um, so that one is probably, in my opinion, the one that on paper doesn't really see that seems to be kind of a weird one. I don't know how it's gonna work practically. It's a huge advantage to the, to the base runner for sure, because he knows after two attempts, he either has to pitch the ball or has to, to, to step over. Um, 
obviously that there's a lot of different hopes. The pitch clock is we're, we're hoping to increase the speed of the game with the shift band. We're hoping to increase offense base. Um, uh, the base being the bases being increased. We're hoping to increase stolen bases. So pretty much trying to increase the action in the field, make the, make the game a little bit faster, a little bit more exciting. Um, so I'm going to ask the guys here, which of these rules do you feel like is going to get the most brush back? And then just overall, which rules do you like? Which rules don't you like? Uh, James, what do you got? I think definitely the shift is going to get the most kind of hate on it um, because people, I mean, teams have been doing it for a while and continue to do it to this day. So I think they were hoping that it wouldn't have changed, but there's like a lot of rules to it that in theory, bring baseball back to its core to what it used to be um, while taking away some defensive advantage there. But have you guys ever thought like, is there an opportunity where it's kind of like a football motion play? where one infielder will just run as soon as a pitch happens, run over to where he's supposed to be when he's shifted and just sit there. That's a lot of running, right? But is, there, is that a possibility of that happening? Because if it is, I definitely want to see that happen. Like see like a, a shortstop run over in between first and second, right? As soon as a pitch happens, just to get in the spot to be in a shift. Is that possible? I mean, technically by the rule, it's as soon as the pitch is released, then, you know, shit can go crazy. So you know, if you can stand like right on the, like the shortstop can stand like right just behind the second base bag. So right, right where he's just not quite over that line. And once the pitcher releases right before the batter makes contact, yeah, he can just shift over and try and get into in a particular position. So how fun would that be? It's risky, but certainly makes it, yeah, as you say, kind of a, a fun, exciting version of what a shift might look like. Right. And if, that would be kind of cool, man. It's a football motion as it comes down to. Yeah. The rule that I do love the most is the pitch clock. There are some players, especially on the Angels, pitchers on the Angels, that take forever and a day to pitch the damn ball. Pitch clock, love that. Awesome. It speeds the game up a little bit, makes people more into it if you're watching at home, and especially if you're watching it at the on the field, like at the game, at the ballpark. You're definitely going to see a lot more action in a short period of time. Given how our monkey brains have kind of shortened its time span, the retention span of the last couple of years, decades, like this makes a lot of sense. I like it. All right. I like, I like that. You like it. I agree. I think, I think the pitch clock, it's going to be the most um, obvious one. And the one that's going to be, I think, get the most attention at first, it's going to speed up the game a lot. I don't know if, if you guys seen like side-by-side comparisons when this rules implemented in the minor leagues versus, you know, some particular pitchers that do take a very long time. Uh, it's incredible. Like a lot of guys with this pitch clock will get like three or four pitches in before the uh, major league guy throws two. Um, so it, it, it's, it's going to cut time in the games, which is really fun. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen a game live where a pitcher intentionally tries to pitch quickly. Um, it's a lot of fun to watch. I'll, I'll tell you, like, it, it's definitely a more exciting game when the pitcher just gets in there, gets the ball, gets the sign and throws. There's none of this bullshit kind of just waiting around for no real reason. Uh, Traden, what do you think of these rules? I love every single one. Um, and, and I'm speaking on my ass because I did, I did, you know, kind of shit on them early because um, we, we had talked about it, you know, maybe six months ago. But after after really reading into them, every single one, I think, is beneficial for baseball. Uh, James, I think, is exactly right in terms of the pitch clock. In, the timing ne- needed to be, um, you know, I- improved. And the problem is, it's not the length of the game, but it's it's the it's the amount of tension that is relieved as pitchers take a long time. So there, there might be a, a pretty uh intense you know at bat that is kind of just 
the, the whole air is taken out when the pitcher just takes his, his sweet ass time. And that's unfortunate. I also think that we're not thinking of, of some other unintended consequences um, in a, in a sense where, you know, your, your big aces, your big arms, they, they deliberately take a little bit longer to, to, you know, make their pitches so that they can have a, as strong a pitch as they possibly can with that speed, they're going to have to pace themselves. Speed's going to come down. Spin rate's going to come down. You're going to see, you're going to probably see more hits. In, as a result, because a pitcher cannot go fucking gung ho for, you know, pitch after pitch after pitch when he only has 15 to 20 seconds to 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 kind of reset himself. It completely changes the way a, a, a pitcher is going to have to approach a situation. And I think it's actually going to drive the premium for your top pitchers even up even further. The ones that can still throw 94 plus um, pitch, 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 pitch and that in that high amount of sequence, it's going to separate we have a lot of top level, uh, you know, pitchers and, you know, starting pitchers. I think that that there's going to be a new tier that kind of establishes on who can actually manage themselves throughout an entire, uh, an entire time during a game. Um, the, the, the base is going, getting bigger, you know, uh, according to, to some, to some other stats, there's no, there, there wasn't really any perceptible effect to the offensive game as, as it stands. And so, if it even if it doesn't improve the amount of stolen bases or whatever, if 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 it only reduces injury, then who gives a fuck? <laughs> like you might as well just do it to to for safety. Um, the last one, um, which one? The last one was uh, the. Um, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a uh, blank. Pick uh, off, pick off. No, the, not the pick off. The uh, the the uh, shit. Um, you, you, said, you, said, you said, you said, Oh, the shift, the shift, the shift. I <laughs> already talked about the shift problem with the shift. And, and the, the problem with the way that the shift is gone is that I just think pitchers have gotten so like, we thought we, as all baseball fans thought that the shift would kind of work its way out as, as, as players decided to just start hitting the other way. I think pitchers are too good and, and it just never, and the batters were just never able to, to get there. And as a result, you're, you're having to treat, you're, you're treating a disease by just treating the symptom and not f- fixing the actual crux of the problem. Well, if, uh, unfortunately the, the, the disease just can't be, just can't be stymied. And at least you're, at least you're doing something about it. And, you know, I, I think that there, you've, you've just kind of focused every single batter coming into the game of baseball to just focus on, focus on velocity, focus on getting it out of the park, focus on, focusing on that. And it, it, it's tough to make that it's tough to make that switch, especially when pitchers are getting better and better and better. We've seen that. So unfortunately this is what we have to do. And if it brings us back to more of an exciting game where balls, maybe uh, are, there's more batters on base. There's more, there's uh, there's more action going on the infield. I think that that's only a benefit. And, you know, it, it's, it, we've seen this happen before when, when a game has these types of situations that, that, you know, players just can't shake and it's kind of impacting the, the entertainment of the game because of simply how the rules are, are impacted. I mean, NBA has a shot clock for a reason, right? It never did in the beginning. It does now for a reason. I don't know what year that was, but <laughs> it sped the game up um, way back when James, don't give me that look way back when there was no shot clock of 24 yeah, seconds. But I mean, like the, the thing about that is that a player could hold on. If you get shoot a bucket, you make two points and opposing the player could get the ball and hold on to it for the rest of the game. Technically. Exactly. But in baseball, if you hold on to the ball, like the, the game doesn't expire. Like they can play for years, have the same game go on. No, that, that's that's fine. That that's not really the point, right? The 
the, the point is the game would not be entertaining if the NBA allowed players to just hold on to the ball. Yeah. It forces them to move the ball. Yeah, absolutely. By forcing the pitch clock, by forcing more offense, by by banning the shift, it just increases the entertainment value of the game. That's my point. Um, obviously, you can hang on to the baseball, but I mean, I don't know how that really impacts what I'm what my point is. But it doesn't. I just want to let you know you can literally hang on the baseball for years without pitch clock. I appreciate you saying that. I guess uh, the FIFA uh, the, the FIFA implemented the the back pass rule. The NHL took out the red line. I mean, all those types of things were beneficial for the game, and uh, and in baseball is just long overdue for these. And here we are. Yep, I definitely agree i think i like to see all these changes um the one for me that like i guess kind of mentioned that one, one that's the most interesting one i'm like practically is a little interesting is the pickoff one the limit per two per batter which i understand it from a we want to speed up the game perspective 100 um but that, that's a huge advantage to the base runner i feel um but hey if we want more stolen bases then that's fine it, it, it increases the action on the field that's fine um, definitely open to it. I mean, I'm, that's the one I'm most intrigued to see how that's going to uh, play out on, on, on the field. Um, but looking forward to these rule changes, I think baseball is definitely going to look a lot different in 2023. It's going to be a lot faster. That's for sure. Hopefully we'll see a, a huge increase in offense. Um, and hopefully all these rules go pretty smoothly without too much brushback. Um, these rules are not voted on unanimously, by the way. Uh, a lot of the players did not agree to them, but they were overruled, so it is what it is. Uh, they're they're going to have to deal with it. Um, I think overall it's going to be a positive. Um, so moving on to my second, oh, damn, the Dodgers uh, clinched a postseason berth last night with their win over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, they thought they clinched it Sunday in San Diego. Um, MLB told them that they clinched it, but then like, oh, shit, we actually made a mistake. You didn't clinch it because there's a scenario that if you lose every single game from the rest of the season, if the, if the Brewers win every single game the rest of the season, you guys are a tiebreaker, and that caused this whole whole ordeal. So they celebrated for a little bit. Then Emily was like, ah, wait, hold on. We fucked up. Uh, we actually, You actually need to win one more game. Next day, they win the game, so it's all good. They still ended up winning it. They can clinch the NL West tonight if they win or if the Padres lose. Um, so the Dodgers, like I said, this is the 10th year in a row that they've made the postseason. Um, no doubt one of the better franchises in the game over the past 10 years. But in you guys' opinion, is it just making the postseason that consecutively? Does that make them the greatest franchise in baseball over the past 10 years? Or is there some other franchise out there that you feel is more deserving of that title i'm just curious to see what you guys think uh trading what do you got i mean it, it, you know it, as consistent as you guys have been i think i think that that is what every sports franchise aims for i mean there was a point where while they didn't win all the all the amount of cups the the detroit red wings of the of the early 2000s and late 90s was the best hockey team you know they, they their playoff berths or I guess the streaks were as long as we had been alive. I mean, that, like they had never missed the playoffs for 20 some years. Uh, that, that to me, if, I mean, yeah, you're not winning, but you're consistently competing for a Stanley cup or consistently uh, uh, competing for a world series that, that means something. Um, this is definitely the best team of the last decade. I mean, that that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, the only other team that you can compete with is the 2018 Red Sox, at least in the regular season, um, where they finished 100 with 108 wins. What do you guys have? 97? 97. 
So, I mean, you're, you're not away from that. I can only we're assume on that you guys are we're on pace for 112 at the moment. You're on pace for 112. I can only assume you guys are going to get there and you guys have better stats than they do uh, mostly across the board. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I hate to say it, but you know, money, money does something, but you're also getting the right players. I mean, these guys are the right players. They're, they, they come together and you're getting shit done. And unfortunately I, I have to think that they're the best team of the last decade. All right, James, agree or disagree? I, I mean, I agree. There's no way you can argue against that. A team that's made the postseason that many times is just a model of consistency. And at, honestly, in any sport, as long as you make the playoffs, that is a new season. A lot can happen in the playoffs each and every time you go. Nothing is guaranteed ever. So the goal is to make playoffs, and from that point forward, you fight. And the Dodgers have done that. There's no other team that can claim the same amount of dominance as they have. And they may not have won it every single year, but they're there every single year. And that speaks volumes. hundred percent. I think it's, I think it's really hard to win as consistently as they have. Obviously I think you'd like to see maybe another world series title or two within that 10 year time span. Um, but they certainly have done something that not a lot of franchises, any sport, you know, has been able to do to make the postseason that many times that consecutively and not even just make the postseason, but be world series contenders, you know, not, not, not just fringe playoff teams. Um, so they're doing a phenomenal job. Ollie wants to lick the microphone really badly right now. Um, so yeah, loves his Dodgers. Dodgers, Dodgers going out, uh, for another, for another division title tonight. Hopefully they win it. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to my third. Oh, damn. This is a pretty funny one. If you guys have not seen this video yet, please do yourself a favor and Google it. Uh, it is one of the craziest things I've ever seen on a baseball field. Uh, both managers got ejected on the same play. I've never seen that before in my life. Uh, this happened on last night's game on Monday between the Angels and the Guardians. Both managers, Terry Francona of the Guardians and Phil Nevin of the Angels, were ejected on the same play by the same umpire, home plate umpire Ron Culpa. Uh, so here's kind of what happened. Uh, Francona argued that his player who was up to bat, uh, Andres Jimenez, was hit by the previous pitch. Uh, it was Angels pitcher uh, Ryan Tapera uh, threw a curveball. It kind of live. It kind of looked like it hit him, but if you saw the, the the replay, it did look like it bounced just before it hit his foot. Um, but basically, Terry Francona went out and argued and said, "We would like to review that, or you know, kind of what happened there." And the umpires pretty much said, "We're not going to review it." Didn't hit him. And then Terry Francona just lost his fucking mind. Uh, he just went off on the guy. I've never seen a guy say "fuck you" consecutively so many times in my life. Terry Francona has been doing this for a very long time. He's been ejected several times. I don't think I've ever seen him that heated. That was a pretty, he was pretty upset. Um, so he obviously got tossed by, by his reaction. Um, so while that was all going on, you know, um, the pitcher, uh, Ryan Tapera was up there and, you know, he, he, sometimes when pitchers are, are, don't pitch for a long period of time, they get a few more warm up pitches to kind of get back into it because pitchers are special and very needy. Um, so he went to attempt to throw a warm up pitch after everything started to calm down. The umpire said, no, you can't throw a warm up pitch. Let's just get back into the game. The uh, angels got very upset by that. Phil Nevin went out there and argued, and then he got ejected for arguing that his pitcher could not throw any warm up pitches. Uh, both managers probably got ejected within, I don't even know, 30 seconds of each other. It was pretty insane, pretty wild. Um, just your guys' thoughts on this whole situation. I thought just that that was one of the more entertaining and funny moments we've had so far this year. Uh, James, what do you got? You know, one of my favorite J. Cole songs is Power Trip. And that's exactly what this damn 
was going through. It's a fucking power trip, man. Like what, bro? Like if you say, cool, like eject Francona. That's awesome. That's cool. Like do what you got to do. Cause that was frankly warranted. Like when Francona cursing that much and doing all that, that's warranted for Phil Nevin to go out there and be like, yo, my guy needs a warm pitches. Like that ain't fair. Cause if you time it properly, like Ryan to pair from his last pitch and going to the, his next pitch was legitimately five minutes. And for somebody throwing 95, not cold or not warm, that's kind of dangerous, not only for the pitcher, but also for the batter and the ump and the catcher. Cause that ball will not be located properly. Five minutes is a long time. And for him to do that and then get ejected like that, like what? Like, bro, chill. Like you heated and I see you, but you got to learn how to figure out when you you're in the wrong and take a step back and be like, okay, yeah, I messed up. My bad. You can have your three warm pitches if that's what you want. Like three warm pitches doesn't take that long, bro. You took longer and waiting to eject that damn uh, manager. And you should just let him get his damn three pitches. That's all he wanted. That's all he wanted. It don't make sense to me. Power trip. It is what it is. Jaden, what do you got? Um, yeah, I mean, it seems more and more these officials and all these games, especially in the MLB, they just they want to make the game about themselves, which is which is unfortunate. Um, I, I, I bringing bringing up what James just mentioned, I you, you, they should they, you kind of think they should allow pitchers that you know if they're in these if if umps or umpires are in these altercations with other players or other uh, you know or managers or whatever, and the and one of one of the players is not the catcher, maybe you just maybe it's okay for that pitcher to just throw like warm up pitches or something like to keep the game kind of flowing. It kind of will run kind of, uh, you know, in tandem with these rule changes. I don't know if that's even possible, but um, you know, I get why you need to, to, to allow some, uh, some warm up pitches in this sense. Uh, it, it seemed like it was just a ridiculous, uh, you know, turn of events and the, and the ump it's, you know, I guess we could say the ump was already pissed off at, at, the verbal abuse he was getting from from the guardians um from manager and, and by the time that phil came out he was like i'm fucking through with all this shit and he just started you know ejecting people so that i i think that phil just was on the receiving end of a guy that just got you know you know the big fuck you treatment from the other guy m- yeah. many many times and he was and he wanted to throw a fuck you back and just send him send him packing so um and and that's just unfortunate but I don't know. Maybe you can find some way where these pitchers can actually still go keep their arm warm up unless uh, arm warm unless unless they're part of the altercation. In in which sense, you know, that doesn't work. But you know, just just if we're trying to speed the game up, that's something that you need to make sure that the players are safe. But you know, address that. Like just you know, maybe he goes back to the maybe he goes back to the bulb. If it's gonna take that long, maybe he just like goes back to the bullpen or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh... The ejection from Terry Francona obviously uh, warranted uh, a great a great meltdown on, on his end, just entertaining. Um, but yeah, the one on the Phil Nevins end thought that was totally un- unnecessary. Umpires are kind of weird about the whole warm up pitching thing. I don't really see what the big deal is to let him just throw like one or two warm up throws. Like what what what's the harm in that? You know, um, it's kind of like you know quarterbacks that you know are about to come in the game after a little while and they throw a couple, or the kickers that go into the game and want to warm up and kick a few. I don't understand what the big issue is. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. I thought I agreed uh, with you guys. There's a little bit of power trip there by the umpire to eject 
um, Nevin immediately after, obviously, but he was probably feeling pretty high and someone coming after him, even on a small detail, he was already just in the zone and ready to just eject anyone that disagreed with him, but pretty entertaining. So like I said, if you have not seen the video, if you've not seen that clip, do yourself a favor, go watch it. It's a pretty entertaining, uh, couple minutes there. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, um, was Mike Trout. Um, of course the greatness of Mike Trout always has to come up at least once a month. Um, he, uh, hit home runs in seven consecutive games. Uh, that streak ended tonight. The MLB record was eight. So he was one away from tying it. Um, it went, he went over three today and the angels three to one loss to the guardians tonight, but still an amazing rec streak. We love to see Mike Trout. We would love to see the angels win with Mike Trout on it. We've talked about this before, but you know, Mike Trout continue continuing to, to do Mike Trout things. It's pretty incredible. Um, but that's all I got for MLB this week. Thank you very much, Tyler. Um, interesting. Just on the Angels note, uh, I, I've been kind of trying to f- follow along as to, you know, who interested parties would be for the uh, for the Angels, um, you know, ownership. Uh, it sounds like the it sounds like there's some Japanese investors interested. So you have to think if, if Japanese investors got involved, there is no way in hell that Otani would go away. I'm not saying it's going to happen, James. Don't get crazy. I'm just saying I know that they're in it and you have to think that Otani, there's no way Otani would go anywhere if that was the case. I, um, I also think there's go. a pretty prominent um, Korean investor who actually owns part of the Lakers. Um, I think he's in, I think he's um, interested as well. He's like a minor owner of the Lakers. So um, thank you very much, Tyler. That was great. That, that was great. Um we look forward to, to some more Odams next week um, as we as we roll down into the uh, the postseason for the MLB. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about sports outcomes and what we would do and what changes we would have made. And, you know, and, and if, maybe it would have changed changed um, teams history when we come back. And we're back. So something that came across my uh, my Instagram that made me kind of think of something we could talk about while Alex was gone is sports outcomes. Uh, and you know, I think it was Sportsnet that that um, that sent an Instagram post out basically asking if you could change any kind of sports outcome, what would it be? And there was a plethora of, of them. Obviously, their Sportsnet is is a Canadian broadcast or a Canadian sports broadcast. So a lot of it was hockey related, but some of it wasn't. One of them was something as small. Like, this clearly was a Maple Leafs fan. Um, in 2015, during the during the uh, NFL um, lottery draft draft lottery, the balls and the thing were spinning and spinning and spinning. And as the, they were deciding who the number one pick was, they the Maple Leafs kind of almost made it down into the hole, but but it but unfortunately, like somehow, like popped back up, and the Edmonton Oilers fall, fell down into that spot, into the number one spot. The 2015 draft was none other than Connor McDavid. <laughs> So every every Leafs fan that watches that is probably like pulling their hair out because what a kind of change the league would, would look, uh, how different the league would look um, if uh, if Connor McDavid was a Toronto Maple Leaf uh, and the Oilers would probably have Jack Eichel and and you know who knows what what uh, what would have happened there. But that's just the kind of thing we're going to talk about. It could, uh, I, I asked the guys to kind of think of what theirs would be. It could be a game. It could be a instance like that that uh, is not quite a game, but it's it do, it would change the the dynamic of the entire league potentially. Or if it's your favorite team and and you want to talk about it, so why don't we start with James? So mine's kind of I don't know. It is what it is. I wish Kobe never tore his Achilles. Okay. That's what I wish would have happened. That I mean, Kobe's a legend, one of my favorite players ever. Um, 
and what we decided was the greatest player of all time, I believe, in our GOAT bracket. Uh, but the thing is, that kind of started the demise for Kobe and the Lakers. After that season was over, after he tore his Achilles, came back, he was never quite the same player until he dropped 62 in his last game. But then the Lakers were never the same after that. That's when the Lakers started going downhill, downhill. And they weren't really resurrected until LeBron came and won that Kobe championship. And then since then, hasn't done shit. So, like, LeBron has – the Lakers have had one good year since Kobe tore his Achilles. And I think that things would be way different if Kobe had not done that. Yeah, I mean, that that's the kind of thing we talk about. Um, you know, it, it, it would have changed – it would have changed the way the, the Lakers would have looked like, and it would have changed – I mean, it, I like that, James, because uh, mine is very similar to my favorite team. Um, you know, it, it would have completely changed, you know, kind of everything. So, Tyler, uh, what what's yours, bud? There's a lot of them. I mean, there's some, I think that's what makes sports great is as much as there is like great crowning achievements, there's all the heartbreaks, whether it be, you know, losing a game, whether it be an injury, you know, a lot of different things. Obviously, I think the one that everyone thinks I'm going to say, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to say it just because it's obvious is the whole 2017 Astros cheating scandal. Um, I think that World Series, I've said it so many times, it was just like, it made no sense to me and it's at the, even at the time just how things were playing out and then obviously everything that happened it would just be so interesting to see if i could change it if you just you know completely got rid of all the cheating that the astros did what the outcome of that world series would be and i could be wrong maybe the dodgers get swept if there's no cheating i don't know i doubt it uh, i really do think the dodgers do win that series in six um but hey i mean i think it it, it is what it is um, but we talked about that one a lot. I think another one, and just because I'm a baseball guy and that's just where my mind goes, um, kind of getting rid of the whole steroid era. I think at the time it was awesome. It was fun um, because no one really knew what was going on. I mean, I think there's a lot of fun memories with that. You know, we, we've talked about before on this podcast, the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire season when they were both battling it out. Uh, obviously, Barry Bonds, you know, going for his incredible seasons. But knowing what we know now, I feel like it just kind of tarnishes the legacy and tarnishes the history of, of baseball a little bit. And we talked about Aaron judge going for, you know, 62 home runs. And it's like kind of this weird thing. It's like, is it really the true MLB record or is it not? And, and, you know, is Barry Bonds the true home run King or is it uh, Hank Aaron? You know, there's just, there's always going to be this kind of weird asterisk on the, on the, on those players and, the, and those records, which really is a shame because I feel like home runs and baseball are kind of like the gr- greatest, most celebrated thing about the sport. Um, everyone loves home runs and to have like its biggest stat and it's, you know, all the guys that lead every statistical category in home runs are arguably not true, you know, or should deserve to have those uh, titles. So I think that's definitely a shame. So I think I would probably just get rid of that whole thing. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see what those guys numbers would be without, without the steroids or, 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 or with them, but either way, it definitely puts a tarnish on it. And like, even this whole Aaron judge thing, I think this should be way more exciting than it actually is because everyone's like, Oh, it's the American record. It really should be the MLB record. And that we would be so much more attention on it. Um, and it's just, it's just unfortunate that that happened and you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, but I think for me, that'd probably be the number one thing. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Um, I, the great couple, actually, I, um, you know, I, you have to think, uh, and, and I, and I have kind of pushed back on the, on the cheating scandal in a sense, just for fun. Um, you're, I mean, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, probably more, unfortunately, the, the, uh, the, the Dodgers weren't the only one, the victims of the, uh, of the cheating scandal. So the, the entire world series makeup 
could have been different. You could have been playing the Yankees after all. And that would have been would have a potentially one. amazing, amazing um, world series too. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's just a thought. I mean, I'm not saying that you guys wouldn't have won, but it just, you know, once you completely change a variable, everything changes. So, yeah. um, so it would have been very interesting. Um, mine, I mean, I have a, I have, I have one major one and um, you know, this is a selfish one kind of uh, because I'm an Oilers fan, but in 2006, right after the lockout, Dwayne Rollison, who we traded for that year, who was a goaltender tore his ligament in game. I believe it was game six of the, uh, of the Stanley cup final. And we ended up, we, he had carried us to the entire, um, through the entire postseason, um, And, you know, into the, into the Stanley cup final. I mean, I what was, what was I, uh, 12 14 years old and um to see us losing game seven because of that was is is heartbreaking that's like the worst thing in the world at that age yeah and and to be fair after that the dark the decade of darkness began um we did not find the postseason for 10 11 years after that we were an absolute dog dog um dog shit organization and we're still kind of picking up the pieces from that Another one I think of in the hockey world is in 2011, if Boston hadn't won the Stanley cup in Vancouver, we wouldn't have seen Vancouver completely torn to shreds. Um, there were cop cars that were on fire, um, massive looting. The entire town was completely just, just, um, com- you know, looted. It was like a war zone because the fans were just so upset that, that the, uh, the, it ended up like that. And you have to think if the Canucks ended up just winning, Vancouver wouldn't have been completely torn, torn to shreds. Um, James, you might appreciate this one really quick. Um, Carey Price got injured against the Rangers a couple of, um, a while back in the playoffs and it kind of completely derailed, um, you know, the, the, the Habs for a while. And the, the biggest question mark for Carey Price has been his playoff performances and his playoff performance was stellar, but he got hurt and he wasn't able to continue on. And you have to think that I think the entire course of, of who, who what many think of Carey Price right now and his kind of trajectory as it, throughout his whole career in the in the postseason would be completely different if he never got hurt. He, he may have won a Stanley Cup, and he may he may go down. He may have for surely gone down as the greatest goaltender um, in our generation. But he instead is kind of shares that with Henrik Lundqvist in a sense, and in in some cases, depending on who you ask, Henrik Lundqvist kind of pulls ahead just because of that postseason success. So um, another interesting one. So James, did you have any more? Uh, just a very selfish one. I just wish uh, Richard Sherman wasn't so good back in the day when oh, the yeah. Niners were playing the Seahawks in the NFC Championship, and he locked down Crabtree, and he said was what he said, what he said. I think he was like, when you put me up against the sorry ass receiver like Crabtree, this is what happens. Yeah. I remember that to this day because it was so scarring and made me so angry. I wish he wasn't so good. I respect yeah. him, but I, man, it, that was a great team. Had we just got that fourth down. I, I seriously think there would have been a good shot at Super Bowl that year. Yeah. Last one I'm going to leave everyone with. Um, what if Pete Carroll just gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah mean, that's a good one. That, that's the that's big one, one. I think we That's think one of. where it's like, I'm not a fan of the Seahawks, but like that broke my heart. Like that was just like, dude, what are you doing? You know, and I know that we, we think Tom Brady is, it, it, you know, he, he, now not to take away from Tom Brady, but there have been a couple um a couple um super bowls that have been you know one off of like why of like decisions like that are crazy shit so um or like last night what if nathaniel hockett had opted to go for a pass on fourth and five rather than kick a 
season or career long 64 yards. Yeah, see, goal. see, that's the thing. And I've talked about this last season. Sometimes I think coaches just big brain it. And it's like, guys, just 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 play simple. <laughs> like, yeah, honestly. Um, I mean, we Let saw it with the cook. Bills. We saw it with the Bills in the in the in in their championship game last season. Like it's like, guys, you won the you won the game. Like you're like, why did you fuck this up? And Mahomes ended up winning and then losing to fucking um, uh, who was it that they ended up losing to Bengals, uh, the Bengals for, for fuck's sake. So um, just it's bizarre. Um, but once again, you know, college, uh, I'm sorry, uh, NFL coaches just find ways to fuck things up sometimes. <laughs> uh, that's all I have for that segment. Hope you guys had fun. Uh, when we come back, we're going to round it up with week one or I guess week two, depending on how you look at it. Uh, waiver wires with James. When we come back. And we're back, and we are back with James's waiver wire, uh, waiver wire talk. This is my favorite thing that James does because it helps me out. It helps everybody out, except um, hopefully I, I I get the benefit of seeing the picks before all y'all, so I can make decisions before this comes out. So I get the benefit of that. Thank you, James. I'm glad I do this podcast <laughs> with you. Um, but why don't you uh, give us your week two waiver wire pickups? so that we can maybe fix some of the issues that some of us are clearly having after week one. So before we get into all that, I want to give a quick update on fantasy because we're all in fantasy football here. Everybody on the TLDR podcast won week one. Let's go. Except for Eric. Oh. But Eric isn't really part of it. So that goes to show that people on this podcast know what they're talking about because they won their fantasy football games. Let's go, baby. Tyler and Traden had the highest score in weeks, 165 points for Tyler, 165 points for Trade. Wow. They both scored 165 points. I think I think it came down to like 0.3 or something. 0.08. Yeah. Tyler scored yeah. 0.08 more than traded. Fuck. Game. That is crazy. And I'm winning the trade. Because they made a trade, yeah. Hey. That, yeah. I'm just saying, so far the trade's working better for me because Justin Jefferson has more points than your guy. So That was a hell of a week he had. So yeah. we'll, we'll see if he keeps that up. I might be regretting it towards the end, but we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think that trading came up on top on that trade. Uh, but we're talking fantasy waiver wires because, you know, there are some players on your team who sucked or if your deck got hurt or if you just have, you know, have a spot at the bottom of your bench because you put players in your IR like everybody should be doing, not Tommy Pham. We're going to start with the quarterback position. My pick this week is Carson Wentz from the Washington Commanders. Tyler, this is your favorite player, so you know I had to put him in. Loaded 16.6% of rosters, had 27.7 points against Jacksonville, 27 completions on 41 attempts, 313 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. He was the third highest scoring quarterback on the week, which is amazing. And in week two, they get to play the Detroit Lions. Same Detroit Lions defense that gave up 38 points to the Philadelphia Eagles. What does that tell you? More opportunities. Traden. Do you love this guy or hate this guy? I don't love this guy. I dislike this guy, but I like this guy in a streaming situation. Um, so I agree with you here. Look, Carson Wentz is not back. Okay. We're not going to see what he did with the Eagles. We're not going to see that again, but this this is a guy that's worth streaming. You're playing the lions next. That's pretty, that's, that's, that's helpful. Um, he look, and this guy, uh, this guy is prone to some mistakes. I mean, he did, he did throw a pick, but he does make he does he, uh, two excuse me, but he does take risks 
which can lead to big plays. And it, and it showed, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin had a 49 yard touchdown um, then had a nice, uh, nice toss to uh, Jahan Dotson for the game winning score. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you like in a, in a quarterback that's not too reserved that, that, you know, it, um, he, he wants to try and he wants to try and do things for this Washington commanders team and give them some sort of hope that, you know, he's not, he's not terrible and he's not going to be too reserved that he's not fun to watch. So that alone is enough to stream him, especially if you have a couple of these quarterbacks that went down, like, like Dak. Or like Aaron Rodgers had a poor week. Or like There's Aaron a Rodgers. lot of players who had worse weeks than Trey Lance, which is crazy because he was playing in a monsoon and threw a pick moving or <laughs> not. Moving on. Tyler, what do you think about your boy Carson Wentz? Uh, yeah. We all know how much I don't like this guy for personal reasons. Uh, I do. Overall, I have to admit, I do not hate the pick for, for uh, this option, but because of my personal relationship with Carson Wentz, I'm going to give you another option to go with, and I'm going to go with Derek Carr. Now, I know he didn't have the greatest showing week one against the Chargers, but Chargers are a very, very good football team. He's coming back home to play to face Arizona in week two, uh, who Arizona was last in passing defense in week one. Now, I think Arizona's – probably- the Chiefs, my boy. Huh? It's again they, their last in week one because they played against the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, who was on fire. Right. Okay. So obviously the Chiefs probably a better team than the Raiders. But let's give Derek Carr the benefit of the doubt. I think the Raiders are going to be a very good offense. I think we saw some some flashes of it in that Chargers game. Um, obviously, kind of not off to the greatest start, but I do think that Derek Carr is still a very solid option here in week two. If you don't like Carson Wentz like me. To be fair, I mean, you're stretching the 50% um, ownership by 30%, but we'll let it slide. Derek Carr's owned in 80% of leagues? Yes. Tyler, what are you doing? Um, I did not look at that one for that play. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. My bad. No, but, Probably but not to be fair, be to, be fair to Tyler, he did look at our league and notice that he wasn't claimed. That's true. So that in our league, it is a pickup. That is what I did. And yeah, in it, 20 or I guess 18% league. of other leagues, he is a pickup, so... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, everybody. Tyler failed miserably on that one. <laughs> off to a great start. No, but sector. honestly, if he's available, I mean, that's a clear pickup. Yeah, honestly, like, can, that should, he should be your quarterback number two for sure. If he's available, pick him up immediately. Yeah, but the, the chances are he's not. Um, running back position this week, I have Jeff Wilson Jr., a.k.a. my name is Jeff yep. from the San Francisco 49ers. Rostered in 3.5% of leagues, not just 3.5% of our team. Tyler, of all leagues, he's rostered in 3.5%. He had a huge amount in Chicago, five points. But this is five points on nine carries for 22 yards and two receptions for eight yards. And he came in after the fact that our running back one, Elijah Mitchell, got injured. He's going to be out for eight weeks at least with an MCL sprain. So this guy gets moved to a running heavy offense with a pretty much a rookie quarterback who has Kyle Shanahan, who loves to run the ball and pass to his running backs, and he's now the running back one. What is not to love about Jeff Wilson Jr.? Tyler, love him or hate him? I love him. I think this is a great pickup. Um, definitely could be a potential seal for anyone that's really thin on running backs. As you said, the Elijah Mitchell injury allows Watson to step in as that primary back against what should be, especially in week two and moving forward, but it's particularly in week two, since that's what we're focusing on, against the Seahawks, who gave up 19.8 fantasy points to Denver running back uh, Javante Williams in week one. So I think it's a pretty great pick. I don't see where you can go wrong with this. Um, I think it's a fantastic pickup. So look out for Jeff Wilson Jr. Trayden, what do you think? 
Well, fuck. This one was a tough one to, to compete against considering Eliza, Elijah Mitchell is out. But I'm going to go to the other side of week one's um, Niners, and I'm going to look at the Chicago Bears. I'm going to look at Khalil Herbert. Now, I know this is crazy, but I say that because David Montgomery, yeah, he did he did get the bulk of the of the um, of the you know attempts, but he did not look very good. Um, and and Khalil uh, Khalil Herbert looked real good. Nine attempts, forty five yards, and one touchdown. And you have to think with that kind of with that kind of um, performance under that you know limited workload, they may they may look to to increase his his workload that much more. We might see David Montgomery kind of go by the wayside. Which this is also me saying. Be, be wary about uh, about David Montgomery following this because I think that Khalil Herbert's um, performance is going to put question marks as to how much David Montgomery is going to get from here on out. Uh, you do ha- you do have a problem with the fact that Justin Fields is going to ru- rush the ball that it, that does take it away take away a little bit, but I I, I like the way that so far I like the way that um, Herbert is uh, is trending and he might be a valid option as well. Going to the water zero position, I have Devin DuVernay from the Baltimore Ravens. 2.4% rostered. He had a whopping 21 points, four receptions on four targets for 54 yards, and two touchdowns. So the thing about this guy is that he, was, he wasn't he was just nobody when he came under the Ravens into week one. He was a Pro Bowl return specialist. Like, he is good at what he does. He's very quick, very agile, and very good with his hands. And now, because there's no wide receiver one in Baltimore, because Marquise Brown got traded to Arizona, it's pretty much up for jobs between Devin DuVernay and Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman was kind of thrust into that role, but he didn't deliver as much as DuVernay did. DuVernay is really, really good. And to be honest, Lamar Jackson needs to showcase that he can throw the ball at, in addition to running it if he wants that massive contract extension and get all the guaranteed money in the world. Traden, what do you think about Devin DuVernay? I, I like Devin Duvernay here. Um, look, I, I think you kind of summed it up. I think that Devin Duvernay is clear that, clearly the number the number two option here. And I think that you're going to see a Lamar Jackson that's going to look to to throw it a bit more. And he's going to look for that guy that, that can make plays. And Duvernay <laughs> made plays. And it helps, you know, when when you perform well in those situations. I mean, he had two, two four targets for 54 yards and two touchdowns. If he's going to continue to produce his at that level, he's not going to, I mean, I, I think two touchdowns is, is a bit much to, to expect on a weekly basis, but if he's going to be that kind of outlet for Lamar Jackson going forward, it's going to take a little bit of pressure off him having to run all the time. If, if you have a guy that can haul it in, he's going to, he's going to continue to use you and continue to use you. And I think that, that, that Duvernay is only trending up in that sense. Tyler. Yeah, definitely an intriguing option here. Um, I think this could potentially be one of the biggest steals, but I do think at the moment I'm. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction into week one. I think he what he like I said put up a great week one, um, but going into week two, you know, with his with his you know kind of position on the team kind of unclear at the moment, uh, facing a much better Dolphins team, um, and so I just don't know if he's really that stud to come in. I think maybe he could be a potential flex option, but I just don't really see it. I don't want to overreact too soon to a, a, a week one um, a burst here from uh, DuVernay, but certainly want to keep an eye on, but I don't know if I'm picking them up right now. Uh, so my option for me, for the wide receiver, I got Curtis Samuel uh, from the Washington commanders. Uh, he put up 19.2 points in week one, uh, eight receptions on 11 targets and a touchdown. Uh, this dude can catch and he can also uh, rush a little, rush a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and then he, they're playing Detroit 
in week two, which, you know, we, we saw how great they did against the Eagles and preventing their offense from scoring. So um, I feel like the Washington Manners will have a good time offensively against the Detroit Lions. So look out for Curtis Samuel from the Washington yeah, Especially when you have the best uh, waiver wire pickup option in Carson Wentz, right? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> you know, he is a wide receiver and he's Carson Wentz to throw on the ball, right? Just, just a thought. I do love that pick, though. Honestly, that was he was number two on my list there. Love that pick. And then last but not least, tight end O.J. Howard out of Houston is who I'm picking. He's rostered in 0.3% of leagues. So it's pretty much how many points Tyler beat trading by. Uh, 17.8 points in week one. I think that was the second highest point total out of all tight ends. Two for two, 38 yards and two touchdowns. He was on the field for 17% of snaps, guys. That doesn't seem like a lot, but wait, hold up. He's only been on the team for a week. He's only been on the team for a week, and he's catching two touchdowns. What does that tell you? Production, snap rate, and snap count will go up as time goes on. This is an athletic freak. His measurable jumped off the charts. He's super strong, super fast, super agile. He was just kind of buried in Tampa Bay for a long time, and nobody really gave him a shot. And now he has the opportunity to showcase his abilities in an offense that will feature him heavily, especially in the red zone, because he's so damn athletic. He's going to be a big body, and General Mills is going to love throwing this guy. Tyler, love him or hate him. It's your boy, General Mills. General Mills. Uh, I love O.J. Howard. Uh, like you said, quite quite the physical specimen. Uh, had a great week one. We talked about kind of not trying to overreact to week one, but I feel like this one may be worth a look. Uh, it's not like the Texans are known for their depth. I think this guy is definitely going to have a good shot at being their everyday tight end. And I think he's a huge red zone target, which is good for fantasy owners. So I like OJ Howard a lot. Trade, what do you think? I, this one a pretty good pick, but the, the tight end guy has entered the building. Okay, let, let's let's talk tight end, shall we? Um, I got Gerald Everett of the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I pick Gerald Everett. Why? You're, you're going to say, oh, yeah, you're dealing with the Chargers. They're so stacked. He's, they're never going to get the ball. Okay. Maybe, but think about it. The guy got three receptions, four targets, 54 yards, and a touchdown. This is the type of guy that's going to be a red zone target, especially when you have so many other options to ch- choose from. Those defense are going to be leaving someone open. They can't They can't effectively take everybody out of the play unless the defense is that strong. Well, Gerald Everett is, is going to be a guy that's going to, that's going to find any kind of exploitation he can. And he's going to be a guy that they're going to target in the end zone. And James, we say it over and over again, a, a tar, a end zone master is the, is the type of tight end you need. And at one touchdown for a chargers team that, that is very, very, that is very, very good. That is very, very high octane. He's just another one that, that these defense have to, have to, have to um, get ready, you know, get up for, and you can't get up for all of them. And, Everett may be the odd man out in any in, in, in an end zone situation. So pick him up while he's hot. I actually love that pick a lot. We talked about Gerald Everett when he was on the Seahawks last year. We talked about him. He went off and scored like 20 points. Do y'all remember that? Because I do. I'm a genius. Uh, Keenan Allen's going to be out for a while with a hamstring. There you go. So that's more targets that can be absorbed right through there. Great pick trading. Tight end guy. Fulfilling it. And that ends my waiver wire segment. Hope it helps you guys. The waiver wire segment. I, I like I said I love this part. Um, uh, um, it's it, it always it, it's always fun to see how uh, and how, it's always fun to see how well we do, especially if, you know because I think a lot of these come from some other you know ideas and and what and if they go off and do well that, that makes us look good and if they don't we don't talk about that, um, but that and that's okay. <laughs> um, 
but that's that's all we have this week for uh for the the uh, 115th episode of TLDR podcast. Um, next week we're gonna be we're gonna have Alex back. We're gonna talk a little bit more about the last uh, uh the, the top teams in the East, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we're gonna talk more waiver wire. We're gonna talk more MLB. Uh, and eventually, in in probably three weeks time, we'll finally be talking about the ho- the hockey side of things. Um, my my uh season previews are gonna be very fast. I mean, I'm gonna have to do a lot of teams in a short amount of time. So um, stay Just tuned like to that. These rule changes. Sorry. Just like MLB's rule changes. Yep. 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 Exactly. Speed up the game, speed it up. So, um, I look forward to that. Um, check us out on all this, all the social media outlets. We, we look forward to your engagement. Um, we always love to, we always love to see you guys' um, support. We love the, the listening count. It seems like our listeners are getting more and more week by week. Uh, maybe we're doing, maybe we're doing th- things right. Um, and if you're, if, if you have a small business or looking for some marketing opportunities, please let us know. Um, we'd be happy to, to work with you. Um, but until then have a great week and, uh, pay it forward. <laughs>